We're going to talk a little bit about the sky is green tonight. Kyle Rittenhouse, a white supremacist. And plus, we have Senator Marsha Blackburn on the show. All that's coming up on I'm Right. Let's unpack something here. Where we are as a society, and yes, we're going to bring on somebody who's representing Kyle Rittenhouse, and we're going to get an update on all that here in just a moment. But let's let's talk about the larger perspective of this whole thing. Uh, you've heard me talk about my sky is green theory a bunch on the show, so I'll be really brief here just to recap it. Cultures are built on pillars. You have cultural pillars anywhere. The family unit, religion, government, entertainment is one of the cultural pillars. Education, these are pillars that hold a society up. America, we have them too. Every society does. Ours, well, we're in a bit of a pickle here in our society because all of our cultural pillars have been taking, uh, taken over by leftists who despise this country. And that's just the truth. Well, that's a really dangerous situation. And here's why. Here's why. Normally, if, say, the media comes up with a huge lie that they want to tell, sky is green, well, other parts of the culture, entertainers, uh, the government, somebody would step in and say, okay, wait a minute, but that's not true. They serve as a check on each other. But now all of our cultural pillars all believe the same disgusting ideology. And what that means is you live in a day and age, I live in a day and age that is unique. It is different than what your parents lived in and your grandparents lived in and their grandparents. It's just different. Now, they don't have to shade the truth, kind of massage this story and, and do with the narrative. They don't even attempt to. Now, they can simply invent a lie out of nothing and every part of the culture, every part of the pillar, every pillar They'll simply push the same lie out there as if it's a fact. It's astounding. They could tell the whole country the sky is green, and within a week, the entire country would believe it. Educators would be saying it. Uh, LeBron James would have it up on his IG. The president would be saying it. Every media outlet would have on experts talking about the green sky. And soon half the nation would believe something that's a total lie. The Kyle Rittenhouse fallout from the verdict, which was correct, is dumbfounding. We have people still talking about crossing state lines? Cross state lines. He drove from Illinois to Kenosha, Wisconsin. Now, again, he drove from Illinois to Wisconsin. It's not like he was in his front yard yeah. and he was approached by a group of individuals who posed an imminent threat to his life. He drove across state lines in a state that he doesn't even live in, and then he crossed state lines with it. He crossed state lines, meaning he traveled across state lines. He traveled there from out of state, who again uh, traveled across state lines. Okay. Uh, this is, I don't know if anyone's aware, this is the United States of America you're actually allowed to just go from state to state. It's amazing. Did you know when you cross from one state into another state, there's not a border checkpoint there where people checking your papers and making sure you're authorized? You know, you can actually just drive back and forth. Usually there's a highway. You just drive right away. And yet, yet, what percentage of this nation believes Kyle somehow violated the law by driving across state lines? You've seen them push the narrative a thousand times that he carried a weapon across state lines. Again, I can't meet you halfway on things that are a lie. One, even if he did, that wouldn't be a crime. Two, 
He didn't. He had the weapon there. Oh, and did I mention he lived 20 miles away from this place? They're practically right next door. How insane is the misinformation campaign in this country? And this goes way beyond Kyle Rittenhouse. How insane is it? How insane are the lies? There's a huge percentage of this population who believes Kyle killed black people. This is, this is the uh, member of the NAACP on James Madison University's Instagram page. We scream Black Lives Matter, but it doesn't matter enough for these people who are in power, the jury, the judge, anybody, to charge this man with murdering and taking away two beautiful black lives at the ripe ages of 26 and 36. It's disgusting. Okay, again, I don't know that person from Adam. Maybe he's the nicest person in the world. He's either an idiot or evil or somebody who's been manipulated by everything around him. I, I don't know. I don't have an explanation for what these people are. I don't know, and I'm sure it differs from person to person. But I do know this. There's no meeting these people halfway. You can't just agree, okay, well, half of your outright lies, all right, we'll compromise. There, there's no meeting these people halfway. I'm, I'm amazed. What percentage of the United States of America think Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist? This stuff is insane. Joining me now... Todd McMurtry, he's an attorney who helped Nicholas Sandman sue the mainstream media. Todd, all right, first of all, for those who forget about Nicholas Sandman, would you walk through the alien who just got here from outer space? He has never heard the name. What happened with him? Okay, Uh, Jesse, uh, first, thanks for having me on. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. With regard to uh, Nicholas Sandman, it was back on January 18th in uh, 2019 that he was on the mall there in Washington, D.C., and there were a group of uh, Catholic high school students who were there attending the March for Life. During the March for Life, you can see that there were a group of people called Black Hebrew Israelites who tried to instigate you know, a conflict with them. And then this fellow named Nathan Phillips, a so-called Native American activist, uh, kind of took his drum and rolled up into the crowd of people and of students, and the students were you know, dancing along and laughing and waving their hands. And he came up and confronted Nicholas Sandman and beat his drum in Nicholas's face for about three minutes. It was a very terrible and intimidating thing. But the media uh, completely falsely portrayed everything, saying that Nick Sandman had uh, uh, blocked Nathan Phillips and confronted him, that Nick was a racist, that Nick didn't show respect for Native Americans. All lies, all complete lies. And, and all uh, immediately available to the media had they bothered to get on uh, on YouTube or other places and get those videos that you're showing right away. They would have known instantly what was going on. And as a result of those lies, uh, Nick Sandman and his family retained me and uh, we pursued claims. Uh, uh, we've had eight total claims against uh, mainstream media outlets. We've settled two of those. We have six ongoing. And, um, you know, so we've, we've been pushing back on this narrative and eventually, not too long, uh, some of these defendants are going to go to trial and the people in uh, Kentucky where I live will be able to, to uh, let their voice be heard whether they agree with the media lies or not. Todd, you've obviously been through this. You're going through this. You're unpacking all this. Could you maybe help me with some guidance as to why the lies? Because as you just mentioned, I, look, I'm an idiot, and I knew the truth about what happened to Nick Salmon after about 15 minutes. Because I just pulled it was all online. It's easily verifiable. I didn't have to. I didn't have to be Sherlock Holmes to dig through the truth. It was all right here. Why can't major media outlets get it right before they run with it? Why don't they? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's an effort by the media and other, you know, power centers in the United States to kind of enforce control over us by scaring us to death. I think that they go after children, young young men, young boys like uh, Nicholas Sandman and Kyle Rittenhouse, because when people see young people destroyed in the manner that they destroy them, uh, they get completely freaked out. I mean, they they are scared, and I've dealt with many scared parents who want to complain about be it a, a transgender bathroom or anything else, and they are afraid to step forward. And, uh, you know, with good cause, because they've seen what the media can do. So I, I, if, if I were to offer my opinion, I believe that it is an intentional effort at, at kind of imposing a soft totalitarianism on our country through intimidation. And, you know, I'm not, this is not an original idea to me. It's just books that I've read. But based upon the books and that analysis and my own lived experience, I believe it to be true. And uh, so they're going to lie because they're pursuing an agenda of intimidation, and it's hard to stop them. The only way right now to stop them is to bring these lawsuits against them and, and go for verdicts that are going to punish them uh, and make them stop. Amen. Uh, speaking of just going after people, uh, this is MSNBC's Tiffany Cross, again, with one of these completely invented lies out of nowhere, pushed as the truth. I find these people disgusting, Ellie. I'm disgusted at what I'm seeing. It's not just this trial, it's other trials, but this in particular, the fact that white supremacists roam the halls of Congress freely and celebrate this little murderous white supremacist and the fact that he gets to walk the streets freely, it lets you know these people have access to instituting uh, laws. They represent the legislative branch of this country. What are we to make of that? Welcome to the modern Republican Party. Todd, I, I, obviously, we, there's a lot we could unpack there, but okay, there's not an ounce of evidence out there that Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist. But from what my meager understanding of the laws in this country, it's very, very, very difficult to sue the media for lying like that, right? Or am I wrong? I think in that circumstance, you're wrong. I think that that, that commentator who called him a little murderous white supremacist uh, has crossed the line. The law is pretty well established, you know, that, that some, it's not well established, but a lot of states would say that if you call somebody a racist, that's okay because it's just more of a name-calling exercise. But if you call them a racist and say they're engaged in racist misconduct, such as she alleges against uh, Kyle Rittenhouse there when she calls him murderous, then it becomes actionable. So she doesn't know it because she's probably not that bright, but she just... Mm bought herself a lawsuit if if somebody if Kyle's willing to bring that suit and, and he's got good lawyers representing him I'm sure they're looking at all this and uh, we'll be able to figure it out but that's definitely a um, an actionable statement all right again I need to lean on legal minds such as yourself uh, Jerry Nadler that despicable member of Congress came out right away running his mouth about we may have to bring federal charges now. Now, I was always taught this term double jeopardy, but I, don't, I guess apparently, apparently I don't know what that means. Are they able to bring federal charges? I, I am not a criminal lawyer. I don't know what federal crimes he might have committed, but if they're not the same charges that were already brought, I think that they may be able to bring uh, separate charges. I don't know what those are. Uh, and of course, it's completely insane uh, to try to keep this narrative going. It's kind of like the, the whole Russian hoax fiasco. You know, every time that they were proven wrong, uh, they just kept up with a new line of attack so that people would keep hearing about it. And I had assumed that's what Nadler is thinking. I mean, you can only imagine what goes on in his mind.
Todd, thank you so much for what you're doing. Please go take it to these people. They certainly deserve it. Thanks so much. Good to be with you this afternoon. Take care. You bet. Joining me next is Senator Marsha Blackburn. And all that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. So was he. Now, here's something that'll make you uncomfortable. If you have a home, if you own a home, your home title is not in a dusty bank vault somewhere. It's online. And as we speak, as you're listening to the sound of my voice, cyber thieves are roaming around trying to get a hold of your home title. They try to hack into it because it's all in the cloud online. They've been wildly successful at this. The FBI is gravely concerned about this crime, and there's no way for you to stop it unless you get home title lock. Home title lock will detect any tampering of your home title and shut it down immediately. I have it. Go to hometitlelock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code RADIO. Get you a special deal. We'll be back. Joining me now, as she does now and then, the senator from the great state of Tennessee, Marsha Blackburn. Senator, first, I do have to ask about the Olympics. You are calling for America to boycott the Olympics in Beijing. I agree with you a thousand percent, by the way, but since you can actually speak well, I'm going to allow you to elaborate on why. Well, and the reason is we should all be very concerned about what could possibly happen to these Olympians when they are in Beijing. I have followed very closely uh, Peng Xiao and the tennis player, and she spoke out against a Chinese Communist Party official. They disappeared her. They brought her back over the weekend at a children's tennis tournament. Still, she was not given the opportunity to speak in public. What we have to realize is that the Chinese communists are much more aggressive than the Russians were. They are also much more difficult. And the Chinese Communist Party has as their goal global domination by the time we get to the midpoint of the century. And Jesse, we have to admit the Chinese are not our friend. They are not our competitor. They're not even a frenemy. They are our adversary. They want hey. to take our country down. They want to be the only superpower. So this is what we are dealing with when it comes to the communist Chinese. Hey, man, I'm so glad to hear somebody say it. They are our enemy. And Senator, can yeah. you explain, I mean, as best you can, why are they so much more aggressive than, as you pointed out, the Soviets were? Why? Like, what, what changed? Is it that communism has changed? Did they take a different route? Why? Well, Xi Jinping is more in line with Mao than any of your other past Chinese leaders. And he feels like he can be the one to be, be the one to be the ruler of the world. And this is his goal, like I said, by 2050. China being dominant. They want to move ahead of us as far as an economic force. They want to continue to capture a lot of our manufacturing. Now what they're doing is they get companies into China, they steal their intellectual property, and then they try to shut them down so that they, the communist Chinese, are owning this intellectual property. And Jesse, this is why companies are beginning to leave China. 
Uh, they have no respect for life. You can look at the genocide that they are carrying out against the Uyghurs, the way they have pushed against the Hong Kong freedom fighters, the Tibetans, the Mongolians, the way they continue to bully Taiwan and threaten Taiwan with uh, fighters and jets that are flying overhead. So this is their way of operating. And yes, uh, are they going to be more uh, vitriolic than the Russians? Yes, they are. They feel as if economically, militarily, that they have the might and the strength. Uh, they're testing hypersonics. Uh, they are filling missile silos. And we need to be aware that they are on the move to take us down and to be the global superpower. It is ironic that Xi Jinping idolizes Mao, considering his own father was persecuted by Mao. But whatever, the communists have never really made sense, have they, Senator? All right, speaking That's, of China and... Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And, but domination and power is what it's about. And Jesse, going back to the Olympics, you know, uh, Senator Tom Cotton joined me on a letter this week to the U.S. Olympic Committee saying it's probably not a wise idea to send our athletes into Beijing in February for the Winter Olympics because physical safety indeed, also the way they track and surveil. Uh, we still don't have answers to COVID-19. I think it would, I would be very concerned for the health and the safety and the security of these athletes. And we should have a president who has a backbone and will say, no, we're not going. We're going to boycott, but we're going to do the USA Freedom Games and we invite everybody to come and to participate with us. Imagine if we had a president who actually craved freedom. All right, speaking of China and COVID, Allow me to present Dr. Fauci. I'm sure you've already seen this clip, Senator, but this is for everyone else. Does the definition of what constitutes fully vaccinated need to change now to include a booster shot? We're going to follow that very carefully, Dana, and that's what we say, and that's what we mean when we say we let the science and the data follow us. We're going to be doing the best we can to keep the American public optimally protected. If that means that that's going to be a boost that will absolutely everyone will have to have, then so be it. We'll do it that way. But it will be guided by the science. And people should not be put off by the fact that as time goes by and we learn more and more about the protection, that we might modify the guidelines. That's what we've been saying all along by follow the science. Things change and you have to follow the data. Senator, I, this whole fiasco has it's turned a lot of people into conspiracy theorists because, I, I, come on now, it went from 15 days to slow the spread to Easter to Christmas to, well, if we can get Trump out of office, take your vaccine, take your second dose of vaccine, up the vaccine wears off in apparently 15 minutes, take your booster. When does this stuff ever end? It isn't going to end because this is all about they're getting power over you, control over your life making decisions for you and they want government control of your health care and keeping you in lockdown is one way that they can do that so of course 
they're going to continue with this. And sometimes I just chuckle when I see Tony Fauci speaking because no mask, one mask, two mask, 10 mask. Um, let's follow the science, but let's not follow the science. Let's stay in a lockdown. Uh, one shot, two shots now, a booster shot, changing what is going to be fully vaccinated you're right it's enough to make your head spin and you think when are they going to say okay covid is going to be with us we've got to learn how to deal with this and we have therapies we have pharmaceuticals we have a vaccine uh, there is a pill that is coming to market and we have to keep this in perspective and let me say this, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I am for vaccines. I am vaccinated. Um, I am anti-mandates and I am anti-government control saying, you cannot go to this concert. You can't go to this event. You can't go to, to um, certain places unless you show your vaccine card or you're going to lose your job unless you have a vaccination. And I was talking to some employers this morning and people have valid medical concerns. They are not getting the vaccine because of these. They've applied for their exemption. But Joe Biden would actually send them to the employment line if, he, if they defy him and don't get their vaccination. They would lose their job. I mean, this is ludicrous. This is ludicrous. Oh, is. We should be allowing employers to work with their employees and we should be allowing the utilization of these exemptions and allowing people to actually talk to their doctor and see what the doctor says. If they're a candidate for the vaccine, by all means, get it. But let's not send people to the unemployment line because they're not getting a vaccine. Senator, finally, speaking of the vaccine and COVID and everything else, I hear so much talk these days about vaccines and therapeutics and COVID and lockdowns and social distancing. I don't hear the name China brought up all that much. And I feel like everybody has forgotten that our arch nemesis is the one who actually released this plague on the world. Why do we never hear Joe Biden or any of these Democrats blaming China? Instead, it's the dirty unvaccinated. Uh, isn't that amazing? And I was just having a telephone conference with someone on this issue about China. The fact that whether it is the Belt and Road Initiative or great power competition or debt diplomacy, whether it is all of the human rights atrocities, whether it is not knowing about COVID-19, does Joe Biden bring up any of this to Xi Jinping? No, he doesn't. And by the way, it was President Xi who requested the phone call, not Joe Biden. And Joe Biden, oh, my good old buddy, my old friend, he gets on the phone <laughs> with him and never brings it up. And in order to tackle COVID, we've got to know the origins of COVID. Senator, thank you so much for giving us some time. Appreciate you very much. Good to be with you. Thank you. Redistricting, how boring is that? Who wants to talk about drawing of some lines, except it's everything. 
We're going to talk a little bit about redistricting and get a little smarter together next. But first, January 6th. You have heard a lot about January 6th from the media. The insurrection, the armed coup. Five people were murdered that day. But what actually happened that day? Who could you trust to tell you what happened that day? My buddy, great Hollywood star Nick Searcy, has made a film called Capital Punishment. And you need to go pre-order it, pre-order it now if you want to know what actually happened. If you want to hear from people who were there, you want video, exclusive video, audio from people who were there, go to CapitalPunishmentTheMovie.com and pre-order the movie. If you pre-order it, you get it for less than 10 bucks, $9.99. CapitalPunishmentTheMovie.com. Go learn the truth. We'll be back. It's time to get smarter. Now, I, I know that you may not need to get smarter, but I certainly need to, get, need to get smarter. So we're bringing in our buddy, Mark Meckler. He is the president of Convention of the States again. Now, Mark, I need you to keep in mind just how small my IQ is, and I need you to explain to me redistricting? What even is it? Yeah, this is a thing that happens every 10 years after the census. So constitutionally, we have a census to tell us every 10 years how many people live in the United States and where exactly they live. And then the states redistrict according to the census. The goal is to keep the districts around the same size population-wise across the country, especially across every individual state. So the states engage in this process. In some states, uh, now it's done by what they call a nonpartisan commission. In some states, the legislature's in control. And in some states, ultimately, it ends up in the hands of the courts. But we're going to redistrict, and those will be the new voting districts in those states. Okay. Now, let's let's focus on the different methods for it. You obviously, this is something I'm sure you follow closely. The nonpartisan group, which I, I would suspect those are very rarely nonpartisan, but the nonpartisan group versus the legislature versus the judge. You've been watching this stuff for a while. Which way normally seems to come out the fairest? Yeah, I would say personally, and it, it sounds counterintuitive, the way that comes out the fairest is when the legislature drops draws the map. And I would say when they draw it in a partisan way, that comes out the most fair. Now, I know that's counterintuitive, but here's why. If you imagine a district, say, that is Republican 70%, and then it's got a district next to it that is majority uh, Democrat, they're going to move some of that 70% out of the Democrat district and in, or out of the Republican district into the Democrat district, both of those districts are going to become closer. Ultimately, they'll try to give the advantage to Republicans, but over time, the districts actually get closer, and history proves this out. Okay, so this is obviously a process that has been going on, and one you track, and I'm not smart enough to track it. How's it been going for the winning team? Well, for our team. Yeah, I would say this year for conservatives, this is going to be extraordinarily good because generally speaking, the majority of states redraw the districts in a legislative process. And so the parties in control of the legislature are the ones who are going to control the maps for the most part. And this year we have 31 states controlled by Republicans in both houses of the legislature. That's if you include the single house or the unicameral legislature in Nebraska. So we have the conservatives or the Republicans have the majority. It should go very well for Republicans. Okay. Is there a Republican like Jim Jordan out there who might be having some problems? If Jim Jordan gets bounced, <laughs> there are going to be some sad people around here. I mean, that can always happen. It's really interesting because even when you have 
partisan redistricting, it depends on the state legislature's relationship with the congressional uh, caucus, right? What they think about their congressional officers, how they redistrict. Uh, we saw some talk about AOC being districted out. I don't think that's going to happen, but it is possible that politics get played inside the caucus. All right, the convention of the states. Once again, let's pretend as if I've never heard it before. What is it? Very simply, it answers the question, who decides? Article 5 of the United States Constitution has the way that we propose amendments to the Constitution. There are two ways. One is Congress proposes. The second is the states can gather in convention and propose. And of course, the only way we're ever going to take power away from the federal government and give it back to the states and the people is if the states propose. It takes two-thirds of states to call a convention. That's 34 states. As I said, we now have 31 states in control, both houses by Republicans. So that means the runway is looking good for getting to a convention of states. We can propose amendments to impose term limits, impose a balanced budget amendment, take away power from the federal government, for example, over health care, education. We could stop them from packing the Supreme Court. There's a lot that can be done in a convention. Mark, do we have politicians who are backing this, people with some juice? Yeah, we do. For example, I mean, the, the prime one that I would name is Ron DeSantis has been a supporter of this for a long time. He came out in support and officially endorsed when he became the gubernatorial nominee in uh, Florida for the first time. And so he's a very prominent supporter. But mostly, by the way, we don't seek uh, politician support. What we're really looking for is the support of leading public figures. Mark Levin is on board. Uh, we've got uh, Shapiro, Beck, Hannity. I'm hoping you're on board, Jesse. So the important people. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, you certainly need my support for it, but of course you obviously have it. I'm, I'm all about this. But I, in all seriousness, I am, I am supportive of it. How far away are we? I know you said 31. We need 34. But you're going to have to pardon me if I don't trust Republican legislatures to stand up for the right <laughs> thing all the time. How many of the 31 do we already have can we bank on? Yeah, so we have 15 in the bank where both houses of the legislature have already done it. There are another eight where we've passed one house or another. Uh, for example, right now we've made it halfway through in Wisconsin, halfway through in North Carolina, halfway through in South Carolina. We're just waiting for the Senates in those states. So we're very close in all of those states. However, as we move towards the 34 number where we control both houses, that's sort of the runway. What I'm hearing all across the country from legislators is they're getting a lot more serious about it because they see that it can happen as we get this close to domination of the legislatures. Mark Meckler, thank you so much, my brother. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me, Jesse. All right. Coming up next, we got This Week in Wokeism. And, ooh, boy, you're going to want to hang on for this one. But first, you ever flipped houses? Have you ever thought about flipping houses? Ever watched the TV shows? Don't lie. I know you do. Everyone does. Yeah, is this so-and-so? They buy a house. Just got a fixer-upper. Let's redo the bathroom. Let's knock down this wall. Get some electrical in there. Turn around, sell it, make a pile of money. Looks fun, right? Well, let me tell you from experience, it is a blast. And you can make a bunch of money at it. A lot of people do this for a living now. But a lot of people don't know where to begin, which is understandable. Totally understandable. Go to FlippingMadeEasy.com. Use the promo code JESSE and sign up today. What does that get you? Everything you need. And I mean everything. You want to talk about article after article after article from expert after expert laying out for you what to do, what not to do, what to look out for. It's all there. If you want to know what vendors are in your area, in your area, write at FlippingMadeEasy.com. 
if you want to know the flipping opportunities in your area, Jesse, I don't even know what to buy. Go to FlippingMadeEasy.com. It's a one-stop shop. Go. Try something new. You'll enjoy it. FlippingMadeEasy.com. We'll be back. There's an old saying in warfare, and it's an appropriate saying. A lot of people don't know it. A lot of people don't believe it. But ask any general worth his salt, he will tell you it's true. And that saying is, amateurs study tactics, professionals study logistics. Well, what does that mean? What do all those words mean? Well, if I were to tell you to prepare for battle... You would want to know, I want the best weapons, and I want the best troops, and I want to, we want to make sure we take that hill before they take that hill and fortify this position. We want to make sure we do all the good tactical stuff, and then we'll win. But, but see, the thing is, an army runs on its stomach, as the great Napoleon just said. Oftentimes, I know it's not the sexy part, who wins wars, who wins battles, comes down to who was eating better. Who had a way to get more medical supplies when they were needed? Those bullets are awesome. Those fancy guns you got, how many rounds do you have? Do you have the ability to get more? What if he does and you don't? Who do you think is going to win in the end? Logistics. War is all about your supply lines. Right here in the United States of America, we are in a cultural war. As we go into this week in wokeism, we are in a war. And I don't care whether that makes you uncomfortable. I don't care whether you want that to be, because I don't want that to be. That, that sounds terrible, right? But we are. Doesn't matter whether you want to be or think we are, we are. These people, the communists, the cultural Marxists who run this country, they are in an all-out war for your children. That's not me trying to scare you. That's not me trying to be way over the top. They want your children badly. And communists from the beginning of mankind have talked about this. There are a thousand different ways this has been said. No one knows the exact quote anymore, but Lenin said, give me four years with the nation's youth and I'll create a socialist generation. They know. They don't look at your kids the way you look at your kids. You look at your kids as a precious individual a wonderful, God-created human being who's, who's unique. Oh, the communists want your kids, but they look at your kids as a future cog in the wheel, a future servant of the state. And so while you, you would probably think it's a little bit inappropriate or uncomfortable to even correct the neighbor kid if you saw him, right? That's not your kid. Whatever, I'll, whatever, I'll go home. Maybe I'll call his mom, let her know, but I'm certainly not going to go over there and whap him on a rear end. It would never occur to the communists to see your kids and not take possession of them. And I talk to you all the time about getting your kids out of government schools, but here's the thing. There's some really, really putrid stuff going on in private schools, expensive private schools around the country. And I had this story brought to me by a friend who will remain anonymous, but you need to pay attention to this story because it is a story taking place in state after state after state, county after county in this country. This is happening. This is real. And you had better be willing to fight back against it. And you better start talking to your kids about what's happening. There's a school in Miami called the Miami Country Day School. It is 40 
$1,000 per child to go to this school. Obviously, as you know, that's a boatload of money. That's university money. People are paying that money to send their kids off to college. They're paying that for this school here. The school hangs Black Lives Matter filth flags. The school hangs pride flags in the classroom. The parents are now aware of it, trying to push back a bit, but they're afraid to speak up because they're afraid of having their lives destroyed, and that's the society we live in now. Can you imagine a concerned parent stroking a check for 40 Gs to send their child to a private school, objecting to the curriculum, but not being able to say so publicly, because then they'll be exposed. Parents will lose their job over this if they were to come out. So I was approached privately to expose this information, and I'm going to expose this information. It is time to come for you. Here we go. I'm going to show you this. Uh, It is kid-friendly. I will tell you it's on the more risque part of kid-friendly, especially for my show. You know I can always do a show you can watch with your kids. I'm just telling you we got video of an assembly they had in this school. And they, it tells you how insidious this is. They confiscated all the phones. By the grace of God, some students still snuck them in. And at this assembly, in this school, they brought in a black male dancer on the stage. This is what the communist in America wants for your children. This, this, now we're going to cover up her face because it's a child and that's just the right thing to do, but this is a 15-year-old brought up on stage with the black male dancer dressed up like a cheerleader. Apparently, the students in the school were forced to do the dance that the dancer was doing on stage Even once they reported to the teacher, they were uncomfortable. Now, wrap your minds around that. You have these teachers, right? That teacher you're sending your child off to school to be educated by. Surely they do care for the kids. They just want what's best for the kids. Why would a teacher look at that filth and force their students to do that? Doesn't that sound crazy? It sounds crazy to you, doesn't it? Sounds crazy to me. But again, we both have to wake up to the real world. I have to constantly slap myself awake to this. It doesn't sound crazy to the communist at all. The cultural Marxist who wants to pour all this filth into your child's head, it would never occur to them that that would be inappropriate to force your child to go twerk on stage with a black man dressed up like a cheerleader. It would never even occur to them it would never occur to them to leave your children alone. A huge portion of this country's education system, public and private schools, including Miami Country Day, they are 100% committed to teaching your child to hate you, hate themselves, and hate their country. They are pushing this filth on your children for a reason, and you had better be aware of it. Miami Country Day is sick. That is disgusting, and I hope everybody involved in all this cleans that filth out of that school, and I'm glad we were given the opportunity to do it tonight. Oh, do keep in mind, 
the school has a diversity, equity, and belonging director. And these, school, and these things are brought about by the schools thinking that they need to preach diversity. You see, you, you have to be more diverse, kids. It's not enough for you to show up and learn algebra, history. Let's learn about English. Read some classic literature. No, 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 no. Not, not to the cultural Marxists. No, 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 no. Your child must be brought in and have this filth poured into their eyes and ears and then forced to perform it. Don't assume it's not happening in your school. Don't say, ah, Jesse, it's Miami. This is happening across America. I get tips like this all the time. Ask your child. Investigate what's going on in your school. I know that probably made you uncomfortable too, but I'm right. Now, I need you to do something for me. Do I ask very many favors? But I need you to do something you're going to enjoy. Go to thefirsttv.com slash support and sign up. And this is why you're going to enjoy it. You're signing on to be a supporter of the first. That's us, the channel. The channel named after the First Amendment. But you get exclusives from that. I'm talking access to events. I mean, really, really cool stuff. Go to thefirsttv.com slash support. You may even find yourself having a beer with me one of these days. We'll be back. You know what's great about being a dude? As we lighten the mood. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but actually, man, did that work really well. Mr. Producer, remind me to say that again in the future. You know what's great about being a dude? Is sometimes you doing stupid stuff that's just kind of expected and accepted. So sit back and enjoy. one going down the stairs like that maybe it's because I'm 40 but already I was picturing man I I would not be able to move the next day all right see you tomorrow